0: You're listening to South Florida's Good News Station, WCNO, Palm City.
1: Hola, Hola. somos los pastores Edmundo y Gisela Rivera, invitando a escuchar el programa
0: Liberating the Oppressed, Saturdays at
2: 9 p.m., a broadcast ministry of the House of Refuge Church in Palm City, Florida.
1: Todos los sábados a las nueve de la noche aquí
3: en 89.9 FM WCNO, The Good News Station. Te esperamos. The Revealing Truth Radio broadcast thanks Ed Myers Century 21 All Professional for their underwriting support. Hi, this is Ed Myers, realtor with Century 21 All Professional and member of the National Association of Realtors.
4: For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's right here. It's out here. Everywhere around you, it's a parallel kingdom. It's a counterculture to the culture that you live in. And you have the ability to step through Jesus, the doorway, into a brand new culture, a brand new understanding, and live your life the way it was meant to be lived. Praise the Lord. Amen. Somebody say the kingdom of heaven is now. It's right here. Right now, and that's what he does when we get born again. He doesn't just give us new life; he gives us new thinking, and he gives us a new place. He calls us into a new culture, the counterculture of this world. Amen. I mean, you can't be in the garage and be in the living room at the same time. Let me try that again. You can't be in the garage and be in the living room at the same time. Amen. You got to leave one to go into the other. Come on, huh? You cannot be in the domain of darkness and be in the kingdom of light at the same time. You've got to leave one to go into the other. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you move into that other room, when you move from darkness into light, then you find out in that new room that there's all kinds of different protocols, all different kinds of ways of living, all kinds of different principles to your life, and things are done backwards from the way you used to do them. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. There's a different standard, a different protocol to life. This whole new room is thinking in a different way. It don't operate the way you've always operated your life. It's a whole different way of thinking. And so now i got to learn how to let God change my thinking and renew my mind so I can learn how to live in this new world that he's brought me into because the old patterns of thinking will not let me operate in the new life that he's given me. Come on, amen. This kingdom, this counterculture that we're talking about, it's counterintuitive to the culture of this world. Come on, it's counterproductive to the culture of this world. The deception of the culture that we live in says this. Get all you can while you can get all you can get. And then sit on your can when you got it in the can. Come on, amen. Make life all about me. It's all about me. We all write that song. It's all about me. Everything in the world revolves around me. Boy, are you crazy. Come on, huh? Hmm? That kind of thinking is really the doorway to your demise. That kind of thinking will end, you, will end you. Come on, somebody. Amen? It'll bring you into a place of a controlling, manipulating thought patterns, and you will never live free. You will live bound in self-absorption and selfishness. Come on, amen? And the Bible says when you do that, you become conformed to this world. To the pattern of this life but in this kingdom this counterculture kingdom that we're talking about how I many know generosity replaces consumption I'm yes. gonna we'll try that again generosity replaces consumption yes. generosity replaces greed amen yes. I mean we live in a culture today that celebrates consumption especially in America we are consumers yes. depending on how the government wants to label us today sometimes they call us consumers sometimes they call us taxpayers for some of us they call us citizens for others they call us illegals. Somebody ought to help me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. But we are. We are a consumer society. I mean, in this country you don't need no excuse to go shopping. I mean, we we have mandated holidays in the United States of America where they say, "Hey, take a holiday, spend some time with your family, love on each other." And you know what we do? We have spring sales. Memorial Day sales, Labor Day sales, back-to-school sales. Come on, somebody. Winter break sales, Martin Luther King Jr. sales, Black Friday sales, Thanksgiving Day, Monday after Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday. We are a consumer society. Come on, amen. But how many of you know the kingdom of God is not built on how much stuff you can get and how much stuff you can acquire. The counterculture of the kingdom is how much stuff you can give away. It's how much of a blessing you can be to somebody else. It's it's how much finances and how much blessing and how much wealth you let flow through your hands into the culture that you've been called to change. Come on, somebody. How many of you know they ain't naming no streets after selfish people? Come on, they don't name streets after billionaires. Who do they name streets after? They name streets after people to give all their stuff away and go out and change a community and build a building and bless somebody. Those are the people getting their names on the street. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on. Hmm. Why why do we do that? Because it's so foreign when somebody comes along and lives selfless. We're going to give them a street name. They gave some money away. Well, that's normal in the kingdom of God. Give your life away. It's the quickest way to get it. Come on, amen. We call people like that heroes. Praise the Lord, amen. How hmm? I many in the know in, in, in the counterculture kingdom, forgiveness replaces revenge? Come on. Hmm? Today, if you forgive somebody in our society, everybody's like, that's just wonderful you forgave them. How did you do that? How did you make that happen? Well, in the kingdom of God, that's normal. You forgive. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Most people don't understand that because they don't understand that in that kind of kingdom living, people actually forgive each other. Hmm? In in, in the counterculture kingdom, mercy replaces judgment. Hmm. It's a tough one for some people in church because the church has been really good at judging people. Praise the Lord, pastor. That's good preaching. Amen. You ever heard anybody say this? Well, they got what they deserved. That's what you get. Huh? I knew you shouldn't have been going that fast down the road. Now you're in the ditch. That's what you get. (laughs) Some of y'all getting convicted right now. I feel it. I just feel the Holy Ghost. Hmm? Why do we do that? Because it's easier to live with a judgment mentality than it is to live with a mercy mentality. Huh? oftentimes we want to judge other people for their weaknesses because it makes us feel better about our weaknesses we want to condemn other people for sin in their life because we try to hide the sin in our life and we hate the sin in our life and don't know how to overcome it so we judge everybody else's sin I mean, in the kingdom, the way down is up and the way up is down praise the Lord, amen in the, in the world, the more you strive to get to the top of the ladder the lower you go then the kingdom, the lower you go, the higher you go. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord, amen. Because here's what God says about people trying to climb the corporate ladder of success and make their self and build themselves into something. This is what he says. I resist the proud. I'm gonna be something. Well, give your life away. Hmm? Come on, help me. Praise the Lord, amen. People walking around all the time thinking they're the greatest thing in the earth just all kind of full of themselves. And if in the church, we call that false humility. I'm very humble, brother. I'm just very, I'm very, very humble. You proud that you humble? A guy said one time, he said they passed out awards every month at my church, and the pastor gave me a button that said humble. He said, I put it on, they looked at me and took it away. He's proud to wear the button, you get it? Come on, stay with me, y'all all right. Praise the Lord. Hmm? Here's the thing. God won't use you if you think you pulled yourself up out of your own mess. I promise you, man, the secret to everything that manifests in my life that is a blessing comes by me helping others. I've learned a long time ago, the more money you give away, the more people you bless, the more you give somebody a helping hand, the higher you go in the kingdom the more you hold on to what you've got, the more you talk about how good you are, you ain't going nowhere, baby. Praise the Lord, amen. Because the truth is, is you didn't make you. God made you, amen. God looked at you and said, you didn't make you. You didn't pull yourself up out of your mess. I pulled you up out of your mess. I made you. Praise the Lord. And everything that's ever happened in your life has been a result over the fact that I made you. Because he's God all by himself. God didn't need you to be you. God made you to be you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hmm? But he said this. He said, if you will humble yourself, I will exalt you. You want to go up? Go down. Touch somebody and say, you want to go up? Go down. Hmm? That is foreign to the way we think as human beings. It's a foreign concept. Because we grow up being selfish. Come on, praise the Lord.
2: Hurricane Irma ripped through the Caribbean, destroying some islands with up to 90% devastation, sustaining 185 mile-per-hour winds, making it a record-breaking hurricane. It destroyed homes, flooded cities, and killed power to millions of people. Devastating floods affected all of us here in Florida and left many people homeless. We will pray for patience, love, and guidance in this time. In Florida, we're survivors. We will rise up, rebuild, and stand together and become even stronger than we were before. So we're asking you to help us support the hurricane relief effort by texting IRMA to 772-800-2464.
4: So in our text this morning, the context of John chapter 13 is built on chapter 11 and chapter 12 in, in John. And prior to John chapter 13, Jesus has gone to Bethany, which is a suburb of Jerusalem where Lazarus has died in chapter 11. How many of you remember the story of Lazarus? Come on, amen. Mary and Martha, the sisters, they're obviously really good cooks and they love Jesus because Jesus is always going to Jerusalem all day and then at nighttime he walks out to Bethany to the suburb to eat dinner with Mary and Martha. I can appreciate Mary and Martha. Anyway, he's hanging out in Jerusalem and Mary and Martha sent word to him and said, Hey, your friend, Lazarus, your buddy, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Jesus, he needs you. Hmm? I mean, they sent Jesus' word like that because they felt like they had an inside track with Jesus. Because, I mean, you know, hey, here's Jesus, the miracle worker, who comes to my house and I cook him noodles and give him bread all the time. Obviously, if I send word to Jesus to come see his friend, my brother, he'll drop everything he's doing and come help me because Jesus likes my cooking. Praise the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says that when Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, he sat down at the place where he was for a few more days. Come on, somebody. Amen. I mean, come on. How I many know at that point you're looking for another church? I was in the hospital, and the pastor didn't even come see me. Well, you were only in there for three days. My God, I didn't even know the first day, nobody told me. Woo! I'm you, I'm claiming the Lazarus defense. Right. Praise the, lo- exactly. praise the Lord. <laughs> the Bible says that when Jesus got there, Mary and Martha they were upset. Matter of fact, Mary was so upset she didn't come out of the house. She like, "I ain't even going out to see him. He used to come to my house and Martha did the cooking, and I would sit at his feet and worship him. And he didn't even get here for my brother. I ain't even going out of the house to see Jesus. I am upset." I wonder if I got anybody ever been upset with Jesus like that. He didn't heal me when I wanted to be healed. He didn't answer my prayer when I thought it should be answered. I'm staying in my house. I ain't going to church. I'm mad. I'll teach Jesus something else. Come on, somebody. Amen. The Bible says Martha came out and said to him, If you would have been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. Jesus, you let us down. But Jesus was trying to clue them into something about this counterculture kingdom that he had been preaching about for three years. And he was trying to let them know something that everybody in this room needs to know today if you're going to ever walk in this kingdom. He said, I'm never caught up with the urgent. I'm interested in the important. Come on, somebody. I'm going to try it again. I'm never caught up in the urgent. I'm only interested in what's important. Come on, huh? See, in our world, in this world, in this culture, the urgent gets our attention. That's how we live our life. Hmm? And the important doesn't always get our attention. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's why a lot of us won't get up and do devotions in the morning, even though it's important. Because we get so urgent, we got to get out the door. So we put what's important on the back burner and won't read our Bible and pray before we got the door. Because we got to do what's urgent. And God said, I'm not interested in what's urgent. I'm interested in what's important. Hmm? Because the 20 minutes you spend in your word and you spend in your prayer is going to help you deal with whatever is urgent. And I'll make whatever it was become important that it's handled the right way. The Bible says Jesus stayed there for four more days. And she said, he said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. If you had answered my urgent call, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. He'd be okay. Jesus said, it's going to be all right. He's going to be okay. I love this. He said... I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha. I don't care if he's been in the grave for three months. I am the resurrection and life. And she didn't get it. She said, Lord, I don't want to talk to you about some theological doctrinal debate, which is what most Christians want to do. She said, I don't want to talk to you about something theological, Jesus. I know we all going to get up in the last day. But if you had been here, he'd be alive. He said, no, 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 no. no, Martha, you're missing my point. I am the resurrection in life. If I am the resurrection in the life at the end of the age, I am still the resurrection in the life that's standing right in front of you. And if I can get him up at the end of the age, then I know I can get him up right now. I can get him up tomorrow, and I can get him up next week. I can get him up yesterday because I exist outside of time. Because I am the resurrection in the life, Martha. Come on. Martha said, oh. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, yeah, you know the story. Lazarus come up out of the grave. Come on, amen. amen. One preacher said if he hadn't said his name, and just said, hey, come forth. All the dead people would have got up out of the grave all over the world. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Praise the Lord, amen. So Lazarus is raised from the dead. And he's raised from the dead. This news begins to spread all over Jerusalem. Everybody's talking about, it. he's dead for four days. He was so dead, he was smelling. I mean, they didn't have no formaldehyde back then. They just dumped a bunch of oil on you and rubbed it into you and wrapped you up like a mummy. Come on. When Jesus was talking about getting him up out of the grave, she said, Well, Jesus, he surely stinketh. That's the King James Version. He stinketh. I mean, he stunk. Come on, amen. And so this spreads. This spreads all across Jerusalem. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going, oh, my God, John Lazarus was dead for four days. The whole Bethany, everybody in Bethany knew it. Everybody saw it. He was dead. And Jesus called him out of the tomb. And the fame of who Jesus was begins to spread all over the place. And the moment his fame begins to spread, Jesus said this. He said, my time has come. It's time. time. He tells his disciples, he says, go into the city. See this man who has a a room upstairs. Tell him we need to use it. Some things I need to share with you. Because my time has come. I'm fixing to bring this counterculture kingdom into a reality that's going to change the entire globe. Somebody say, my time has come. Now that's the context of everything that brings us to the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. Hmm? And he gets there and he begins to challenge them with putting their trust in God. Leaning on God. Trusting him for their life. He brings his disciples in the upper room. He sits down with his disciples. And he's already turned all the religious leaders upside down. And by this time, the whole religious world hates him. And the Bible says in John chapter 12, after the resurrection of Lazarus, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees sought to kill him. You know why they sought to kill him? Because his kingdom coming meant their kingdom was leaving their 536 rules was going out the door baby because he was bringing the kingdom of liberty and freedom and they were operating in the kingdom of bondage and law come on amen Hmm? I'd be glad we got Jesus today Hmm? so really what Jesus was doing is it was becoming kingdom versus kingdom matter of fact in Matthew chapter 24, which a lot of people think is like this end time scripture, it was really more about what was happening when Jesus' day was there. He was talking about the destruction of the temple in Matthew chapter 24. and the last day, he was talking about the day that we would see this end coming. He said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. A lot of times we see that as national boundaries. You know, we think that's just, you know, Russia and the United States and China and Korea and everybody getting ready to go to war. And, then you know, we have all these people having all these wars that are going on all the time. And one nation finally gets the thing. He said, no, 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 it's not just that. It's about the culture of this world rising against the counterculture of my kingdom. You will see an onslaught of these two cultures colliding before my return. And that's what we see in the day. You're seeing one kingdom trying to snuff out the other kingdom. You're seeing the oppression coming against God's church. Like never in the history of the world.
0: Consider a school where children learn to love, where learning is inspired, reading is an adventure, where students have time for creativity, math, and logic, where truth is taught along with history, literature, and technology, where respect is modeled by please and thank you, where innovation and leadership are fostered while planning out college and career paths. This is the future of St. Lucie Christian students. We are now enrolling kindergarten through 12th grade. Full scholarships are still available, Find out more at stlucichristian.org.
2: Navigating the real estate market today can get a little crazy. Ozzy Carbonell of Century 21 Silva & Associates is here to help. Today on the Treasure Coast, the housing market is back in full force. There is a number of financing and home buyer programs. Understanding and incorporating the right program can be essential when purchasing real estate. It can also be very time consuming and painstaking. In short, the complexities of purchasing a home in today's market can be like riding on a crazy train. Home buying doesn't have to be crazy. Ozzy Carbonell of Century 21 Silver & Associates can help you qualify for up to $15,000 in down payment assistance. Find out how by contacting Ozzy Carbonell at 772-340-6076. Again, that number is 772-340-6076. Se habla español.